Welcome to the Virtual CISO Chronicles, a podcast about cybersecurity, entrepreneurship, and business. Each week, I interview an expert working in the field of security. I'm your host, Caroline McCaffrey, one of the co-founders of ClearOps, a security program management platform for virtual CISOs and security experts. For years, as the general counsel for various startups, I suffered from what I called the security questionnaire problem. So one day I figured that if no one else was solving it, I would. I started this podcast much the same way. I went running one day and I tried to find a podcast about virtual CISOs. And I only found two. So just like I was starting ClearUps, I thought I would start my own podcast. Our guest today is Eamon Elsawa. Eamon, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Caroline. So to get us going here, tell the audience about your background and specifically focusing on where your passion for cybersecurity came from. Yeah, well, passion, you know, the pa- my passion for cybersecurity uh, started early on when um, I was originally in the networking field and I wanted to, you know, become a CCIE and everything like that. And um, I talked to someone and he told me that, you know, why do you want to be a CCIE? I'm like, I want to build awesome networks. And he's like, well, once you do it, you're kind of just done. Uh, you, you know, your job is done and it's kind of, he said, it's kind of boring. And I'm like, this, this person I looked up to told me that, you know, this, his job was boring. And so, um, you know, as a network person, I always had to deal with firewalls and, and, and system admin, and, I, and even in my system admin capabilities, uh, system admin security. And I'm like, I looked at the field of cybersecurity. I'm like, well, I will never be bored in cybersecurity. You know, there's always something going on. I'm always going to have to keep learning and I love learning and I love being challenged. And I know, I know that it's never, there was no ceiling basically in cybersecurity. And that's why, that's why I hopped in the field. Fast forward, you know, many years later, um, you know, I, I was working, uh, you know, regular uh, enterprise security jobs and, but I was helping startups on the side with their security. You know, they just had a whole, um, they were, they, they didn't know where to go. So I was helping them with assessments and, and things like that. And, um, that kept on increasing and, I realized there's this area where startups, um, you know, typically called SMBs, anywhere from like any anywhere under a thousand employees or even under two thousand employees sometimes, don't have anyone for security and don't didn't have anyone to go to. And so there was this whole field of of area of people that were not addressing security concerns. And me, I, I'm just tired of seeing bad security, you know. So I wanted to help out. I wanted to find a good solution and. And so I'm like, well, if there's fractional CFOs, then there's got to be uh, a place for fractional CISOs as well. And that's where that, you know, that's where I was born. So where did, when did you start fractional being a fractional CISO? I've been doing it four time, uh, full time now. It's funny. I've been doing fractional CISO full time for four years now uh, since 2019. So um, started off helping a company with its transition to becoming public, just getting it you know, ready for that. And mm-hmm. then um, the pandemic came and several other clients rolled on and it's just, you know, it's stuck since. So, yeah. And before that, you were in-house corporate? Yeah, I was an in-house corporate security person uh, helping enterprises with their security. Okay. Security and so based on your story, was it the helping startups in the side that gave you the idea for going out on your own or what sparked that? Yeah. Yeah. So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, even, um, you know, my financial advisor at the time told me, Hey, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur at heart. So, um, I think there was two parts. One is seeing that there is this whole market of unaddressed security concerns out there. 
Um, so I wanted to fix it. Like just that part of me just wanted to see things fixed. Right. Um, and so, and then the other part was, you know, just the opportunity of, of helping. Yeah. So I think it was just, it was really, it really came down to the opportunity and also like, you know, the new environment every, every so often working with different companies, the experience, um, it's, it's just been really fun. Uh, I've got to work with a lot of different companies, different sizes. I don't know if that answers your question necessarily. Well, I'm going to dive into one part that you told in your story, which was you had an opportunity to build an information security program for a company. I think you said it was about to go public. And so my question is, was that a job that you found through your networking, through your doing work for startups on the side, and that kind of launched you in to being like, oh, I'm going to now stay out on my own? Yeah. Yeah. It all, everything's been through referral. So, you know, okay. uh, or even before then the companies I was helping on the side, uh, you know, they had the founders and engineering managers and they would, you know, talk to each other. And there was a company that needed help at the time and also aligned with, you know, a job that was not working out well at the time, uh, for various reasons. So I think the two things aligned at the same time, um, and you know, it worked out really well. So and I want to get into all the things you're doing in addition to your entrepreneurship yeah. um, with your firm. But before I do that, um, in in the decision to go out on your own, you said you spoke to, I think you said your accountant and he was like, yeah, you're an entrepreneur. Were you seeking, were you kind of thinking about it for a long time and and people were kind of giving you advice or how did you really make that decision to make that leap? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. Um, Actually, the job that I went, you know, that I was that I was at at the time, I wanted to be there for a long time. I wanted to stay there. I'm like, okay, I'm done. But because, you know, um, there was a lot of changes in that environment that didn't, you know, the company changed. Companies, mm -hmm. you know, companies change, right? Yep. Um. So I had to, I had to kneel. I had to go back to my entrepreneurial roots, and you know, um, I mean, it just, it, it just, it was just, uh, it was just a, a confluence of timing you know? Okay. Um, so as an entrepreneur, uh, we, we do things, we experiment and if things don't work, then, you know, we, we have to pivot, we have to shift. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, um, even, even later when I was doing the VC, so thing for a while, um, you know, I had to, I had to see what <laughs> this is a little, uh, so I tried to scale my company in, in 2021. Right. So okay. I tried to scale my company and, and grow it. And I'm like, okay, let me make it a big VC so firm and 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 all this kind of stuff because there's a lot of opportunity out there. But I I there was it was an experiment and I found that the experiment didn't work. And there were a few reasons why it didn't work. Uh namely one, I was the I was a product. So it was hard to replicate my experience. And people chose uh Cloud Security Labs for me. <laughs> so it was, mm -hmm. they chose for me for my experience, for my, you know, technique, my approach towards um uh, SaaS companies and, and, and using them, I, I, I try to take an empathetic approach towards things. I know that's used a lot out there, but you know, I think it's not used a lot out there too. So, yeah. uh, so I think that's a the differentiator. Um, but the long story short, you know, uh, I had to shut down that experiment, unfortunately. So it didn't work out. Okay. Um, uh, you know, and I realized that what, what was best for me and, you know, aligned with my lifestyle and, and things like, that. so I just, you know, changed things around that aligns with me so um whenever someone comes to me and asks you know oh how do i do go out on my own and do business on my own i'm like it's not easy 
excuse me, yeah. it's not easy. You know, I tell them it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. If you're if you're a nine to fiver, you're used to working a full time job, uh, just collecting the paycheck and, you know, having this like 20 to 40 percent of extra time, uh, sometimes more. I mean, I mean, listen, there, I, I heard an interview of someone that was working two or three jobs easily, <laughs> two or three, three full time jobs easily and had no problem, but then went to go work at a startup. And, uh, you know, one job at a startup and was, you know, was busy, was quite busy. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yep. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So startup life is, you know, entrepreneurial life. And, you know, it, you know, with you have to take risks and you have to design your life. And anyway, I, yeah. I could get yeah. I could get on, you know, there's there's a lot of books I could recommend and, and stuff about that. But, yeah, I digress. <laughs> well, I might get to that later. Yeah. So um, so Cloud Security Labs is your firm. Um. Do you have anyone else working with you now or any um, part-timers nope. or consultants? Nope. Okay. nope. It's just me. Um, I have people helping me with my uh, social media stuff, but yeah, it's just okay. me that way. Um, you know, I keep the quality high. Um, I work directly with my clients. Um, and you know, I've designed it in such a way that, you know, I only take, uh, two, maybe three big clients at a time. And then I have a tier of smaller clients that is, you know, it's a community. So, it's almost infinitely scalable um, and people get what they want, right? Because there, there isn't, you know, um, the VC so term is very, you know, as you know, it, it can, can apply to many things, right? That's part security analyst, part security engineer, part architect, part governance, risk compliance, part actual like customer facing CISO or board CISO or this or that. So named CISO is a new one, right? So uh, there's a lot of, think so and, and and not every company needs all of that all at the same time right so right. yeah it's interesting so do you think there's a difference between the term vcso and fractional cso and then i'm going to ask a follow-on question of and what do you think of all these acronyms msp mssp vcso <laughs> fractional cso yeah i i actually have uh, moved away from using vcso um and i've started i've been using fractional cso for some time now because okay. you know when i was talking to someone and explaining explaining to them my job they're like oh so you're basically a CISO but for a smaller company or part-time like yeah so you know a lot of times um but there are VCSO that are only like you know a fun functioning as a compliance person and that's mm -hmm. the tier that they're handling and that's it or a VCSO that's only handling say security architecture or maybe a cloud security advisor so unfortunately the market has um given a lot of different meanings, sometimes negative meanings to the word VCSO. Um, funny enough, my newsletter called Last Week is a VCSO. Um, you know, it makes me think about, you know, rebranding that in the newsletter. But um, in any case, yeah, I, I like to go by fractional CISO. And an MSP and MSSP, I think that's, those are terms that people understand, uh, you know. Um, so I think that's, that's a standard uh, understanding. Uh, you know, you're a, service provider you provide these services you know to multiple clients it's well understood that you know uh this is you're not going to get that individualized service so um that you I do actually, with a fractional yeah 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 and and sometimes you don't get that individualized service so that's why i ask sometimes client you know uh, a, a client asked me once uh what are some questions that i haven't asked that i should ask you i'm like wow that's really cool I like that. So I, I I gave them a list of questions to ask, you know, uh, you know, to understand who are you going to work with when you when you're looking for a VSO, who are you going to work with and find out who you're going to work with, 
what's the expertise? You know, are you looking for someone more technical, more compliance oriented, more board oriented, executive presence, junior, you know, what, what are you looking for? So I think those things, yeah. those things are good to understand when you're looking for a VC. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And now bringing it back a little bit to the business. So you have a podcast, you have a blog, you are an author. I mean, doing, doing a lot of things. I mean, very entrepreneurial, but also very busy. I'd imagine talk, talk us, talk to us a little bit about all those other things you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think that all those things were like distractions during, you know, uh, even before the pandemic and whatnot. I mean, I have a beehive too that, you know, so it's like, it, there's all these things. Um, so yeah. So the media stuff started off that. So I have a podcast called getting into infosec, uh, where I interview people on how they got into security. And, uh, but before that I, I started writing a book, like, so the book came first and it was my personal advice on writing a uh, on, on how to get into the field. Um, and, and funny enough, I read a book one summer on, uh, you know, the, the title was very, uh, it was a very clickbaity title, but I bought it. Uh, it was right before flight. Uh, so I bought it on Kindle and I read it. Uh, but the, the idea, the premise of the book was to write a book. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I'm like, what book would I write on? I'm like, would I talk about kids or cats or farming? I don't know. Um, but the, the question that people ask me the most are, you know, how do I get into the field? I'm like, oh, I could do that. that I'll take me like, you know, be really quick. So I wrote the book, um, but I, I didn't want the book to be the, uh, you know, the only answer on how to get into security. So I wanted to interview other people because, as you know, I could interview, you know, we could interview a thousand different people on how they get into the field and get a thousand different answers. Yeah. And so... Uh, there's a lot of imposter syndrome out there out there where people think that, uh, well, there's two parts. There's people sometimes don't even know about the field. So this is more of like letting people know, hey, this person was a mechanic or a hairdresser or a librarian and they be, they got into cybersecurity. And they're like, what, really? That's possible? And then the other part is encouraging people and, and kind of, you know, because there's people that had to submit a hundred resumes and, and all these kind of things. And that's that's just the, that's that's how this reality of getting a job. So um, that's where the podcast and the book came from. And then um, as I was working as a VC, so I found myself repeating myself and just, you know, saying the same things over and over. So I decided to create a newsletter. And so that that way, you know, more people can get access to the same experience and information. And I, I kind of found this underlying common theme through all this is that I liked making uh, things accessible to more people, um, somehow like, so, um, you know, consider it, maybe it's a lazy engineer in me. I don't know. Right. So, you know how like <laughs> engineers like to write code because, you know, um, to make their jobs easier, but, um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I like distilling complex topics and making it simple to understand. I like relating it to, to common, you know, real world scenarios or even in like non-security things and kind of bringing it back. Uh, I wrote an article on on polyvagal theory and how it relates to information security. Um, and funny enough, I was looking at my search results and, and people were searching for trauma and polyvagal theory stumbled onto my newsletter. So I got to, you know, work on that. But the point is like, you know, um, yeah, I, it's just this natural drive in me to like share information out there. So that that's where it comes from. Um, I hope, it, you know, I, I hope to keep going with it and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to venture onto YouTube, but that's like a whole nother thing 
in and yes. of itself. Uh, so it, it feels like starting a new business again. And, and it, I'm facing all the same fears of when I was starting the podcast. I mean, when I, when I started the podcast, I wasn't even on Twitter. I was a lurker, definitely a lurker, but I never posted anything. Right. I was always, I was so scared of, and so, and even today, you know, I, I don't post everything, but, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's been, it's one, it's been an interesting ride. It's been an interesting ride. So nowhere in that story, did you talk about how part of this is to help with your business, right? To maybe market your business or sell business to new potential clients. Is, yeah. is that any part of it at all? I, you know, the podcast and the book had nothing to do with the business. It was just something just to get it out, to get something out there. Hmm. Uh, somehow, I guess it, you know, it helped in a little, in a little way to, you know, give some uh, authority, I guess. Um, the newsletter, you know, uh, it, it, you could see it as business, but it's also an outlet just to get information out there. Because when I talk to a client, um either current or past or you know potential i just i can show them the, the blog like i have a data yeah. classification um use that uh article and uh one client uh said they took the article and then sent it to the legal team like hey look do this right and so it was in, in a way it kind of helped with it, it it helped with my work um or i have a 30 60 90 day plan right on when you hire a security person so, you know, one one potential customer was like, yeah, I really I, this is what I want. Like, this is what I want. If working with you, this is what I want, like to set up. So, hmm. um, yeah, I, I, it, I guess I guess, yeah, content marketing, I, which is what it's called, I guess, is yeah. has been the has been the thing that I do. But to tell you the truth, like. Like still the, the way I've gotten most of my business has been referral. Um, okay. so it's not like, I mean, there's been a few, actually one person Google searched and was like stuck and then found me and booked a call. So that was interesting. And I need to, so I, I, more of a, a, a personal thing or like a, a business thing, I have all this content out there. And so I just need to kind of like organize it and get it SEO friendly or AI friendly, whatever it may be. So that's just, <laughs> that's just part of, you know, business, I guess. So. I like how people are saying now SEO friendly or AI friendly. Um, I know, I know. I, I talked to a friend of mine and and uh, I, I'm like, aren't you worried about SEO? He's like, oh, it's going to be replaced by AI soon. So he wasn't like concerned about SEO. I was like, mm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that's a thing or not. <laughs> um, I, I, could, I could talk forever about that, but I, this is about you. Um, so nice. I, I feel like you kind of answered a little bit, but it is my favorite question. So I still have to ask it of you, which is what is the hardest part about starting your own cybersecurity consulting business? Uh, the same thing as, as starting any business is, um, uh, well, one is figuring out what your business is Two, um, having, you know, enough runway and, uh, you know, making sure that it, so I think, let's see, to answer your question, if I would say the number one thing hardest about starting a business or cybersecurity business would be to have um, a good understanding and expectations of what it's going to do hmm. and, and how it's going to impact your life. That's probably, and that's a very general thing, but, you know, I could say, you know, um, when you, when you start a business, one, it's a different mindset Two, uh, you know, we're talking about money here. Right. So, um, you know, I think, um, Justin Welsh, who is a, uh, well-known, uh, 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 influencer about solopreneurs 
talks about don't just jump out and and try to start a business you know start on the side get it to where it's going and it still can be on its feet and then you could jump right um the other thing is you know what's interesting is like sometimes when you when you do when you i i used to tell people this even before um starting this business but because i've been doing entrepreneur stuff for a while like i was into i was into photography for a while and i wanted to make it my business and everything like that and i talked to like photographers and that you know took their hobby and made it their business and they found that they didn't like it anymore and i i used to tell people um 90 you could say 80 for example 80 of business is not the actual business itself it's like the business is running the business so say you know if you were to say um what's involved in running a cybersecurity business you could say 20 percent is the actual cybersecurity and then 80 percent is the actual business stuff contracts uh you know uh, uh lead generation marketing business insurance uh you know client satisfaction all that kind of stuff and then comes the core of the business so same thing with wedding photography or any kind of business so that's true uh, yeah so you just have to have some realistic expectations about running a business what it what it means it's not all like you know uh unicorns and glory uh it's a lot of work you know it's a lot of sleepless nights your family yeah. has to be on board with it um you know yeah i mean it's it's a whole thing in fact you're going to find if you're running if you're an entrepreneur you're going to find that your your non-entrepreneur friends you can't they don't relate to you or they don't understand you and mm -hmm. so you're going to have to build a a kind of like a social structure of other founders to kind of like you could just just talk just talk about like the you know you don't have to like it's it doesn't have to be like uh strategic or anything you just talk about like running a business and uh it's a lonely it's a lonely job uh entrepreneurship yeah. is a lonely uh run um i found also i've been researching this for a while like i found that a lot of uh successful entrepreneurs always have someone in the background helping them so you could have you know if you don't have a co-founder um then you more than likely have a silent co-founder it could be your significant other uh even just encouraging you rooting rooting for you i mean one person had their mom like helping with accounting and stuff so you know there's always someone in the background that's going to be helping you if you're doing it by yourself then you know uh look into the solopreneur route right so i have so much advice on this and i should probably like start a personal blog on this but like basically this uh, the business has you want you know don't have unrealistic expectations on what starting a business is um and then once you have those expectations once you get into that reality try to uh, make sure that business fits with the lifestyle that you want or 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 you plan to have so for example in the first few years of a business you're getting it off the ground you're gonna have to work like a lot i know a lot mm -hmm. of people say oh no work a little bit i work this no 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 you're gonna have to put a lot of effort in to get this going unless you're working a full-time job then you can just let it go organically right um so anyway I, you can feel free to stop me whenever so <laughs> <laughs> no it's fascinating um but uh, we, we actually did run out of time which is because it was so interesting i didn't want to stop you i wanted you to keep going um but you know, going. i have time i i have uh yeah if you want so well uh okay I'll, <laughs> I'll ask you yeah we actually that's a good idea we'll do a part two um and we'll we'll book that in the future and so I'll save my the rest of my questions for then because I know you know sometimes um, uh, it there's just so much more to say. 
But before we go, I would love for you to tell the audience, again, the name of your firm, where they can find you, anything that you want to um, you know, say about your business. Yeah, you can find everything about me, uh, the work I do, newsletter, book, podcasts. Um, yeah, more podcasts coming in the future. Uh, Coffeewithamon.com. So I finally updated my personal site. It's a little uh, messy, but I'm, I'm still organizing it. So coffeewithamon.com. And um, you could also, uh, and then on Twitter, coffeewithamon. And uh, follow me on LinkedIn, uh, Amon Elsawa. So uh, those are the three areas you could find everything that I'm doing. Um, and it's all starting to coalesce into one, um, you know, the, the, the media, at least all the media stuff. So yeah, thank you. And, uh, I really appreciate having me on and it was fun conversation and happy to do this again. Yeah. Eamon, thank you for joining us. It was a really great conversation and I definitely do want to book you again. If you're listening, you can find this podcast on Apple podcasts, as well as Substack in addition to all of our blogs. So take care and uh, we'll see you again next time. All right.